in Zechariah 8. Zechariah, so you have to go Matthew and back uh, a couple books. They're the, the small ones, so the, the minor prophets, they call it. Uh, they're minor in size, but not minor in importance. Um, and uh, I want to dig into, dig into this. Um, told you many times I love God's word and uh, and uh, it's digging into it just just blesses me and uh, uh, you know as you are going you know as we're going through the Bible again and that that, that blessed me too the uh, the preacher the other night he he talked about going through the Bible each year and I I thought you know what a blessing that uh, you know there's many uh, many giving the same challenge of going through the word like that and it uh, it will help you every time you do that. But one of the great things is, is as you go through again, uh, and you know God's blessed you the the time before. Maybe in a passage you got something that that really helped you or strengthened you, and then you hit it again, and then you get that strength and help all over again. And that's kind of tonight. Uh, you know, I've preached on this passage before. Want to go a little further than I did uh, last time. Uh, I think it was actually about two years ago, uh, but uh, you know, there's going to be some familiar parts if you remember it from two years. But uh, I just love God's word. I'm glad that uh, it continues to be a help, an ever-present help. You know, aren't you glad uh, that there are? And, and you know, I, I I'm not very good at planning ahead, and and I you know I've got. Uh, there's a friend that's a preacher that he uh, he probably has almost the entire year, if not the whole year, already planned out what he's going to preach. I can't even wrap my head around that. I uh, sometimes I struggle with what's uh, you know what's going to be on Sunday, you know, in just a handful of days. Uh, but uh, you know, so some are better planners than me, and uh, a lot of those guys, a lot of different guys, like to at least plan for a theme. Uh, you know, in the year. And I, again, I've not been very good at that at all. But, you know, I've noticed something. A theme has kind of just appeared without the planning or anything. I, I've seen her this year. It feels like a renewal of the promises of God. And it seems like every time I'm getting to God's word, whether I'm preaching directly on it or indirectly, I feel like it keeps coming back over and over again. And I sometimes that just means the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention and trying to get us to realize in these last days, in these perilous times, what we've got to cling to. So I want to look at Zechariah uh, 8. We're going to start in verse 3 tonight. It says this, Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, uh, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts. Uh, thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the east country, and from the west country and I will bring them and they will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong ye that hear in these days 
these, these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days, there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast. Neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one against his neighbor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us in tonight. Lord, we thank you for your truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to dig into your word tonight. Lord, use me to preach. Lord, open up our ears and our hearts. Lord, help us learn and gain wisdom. Challenge us, but also encourage us tonight. You can do all that through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name and amen. So God, uh, before this passage, you know, kind of into the the previous chapter, God had showed them uh, the the remnant that had come uh, from captivity. They decided they were going to go rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and only a small number decided to do that. Uh, Many of them decided they'd rather stay in captivity because it was better there. It was nicer there. They felt more blessed there. And that's what the devil tries to do. He wants to get uh, you in a Uh, a captivity of whatever he can keep you captive with whatever he can keep you with doing uh, from doing God's will in your life he wants to keep you there and you may feel good and it may seem good and you may get earthly blessings uh, but God wants you to do his will Uh, so what happened is they had been fasting and mourning over their captivity uh, and really God was trying to show them hey this came because of your disobedience that's why you were in captivity Uh, and then he tells them he says hey I don't want you to do any rituals I don't want you to do any sacrifices unless your heart is in the right place and that that's still true today you can come in you can go through the motions you can sing you can do different things but if your heart's not in the right place you are wasting your worship because God doesn't want to hear it you know he is clear through his uh, uh, through the scriptures whether you're bringing an animal sacrifice or whether you're sitting in the pew he wants your heart directed to him right we worship him what in spirit and in truth not in fakeness and hypocrisy but in truth so he's he's kind of setting the scene uh, uh, so now uh, he says hey I want people whose hearts are right with me that I want them worshiping me so again this remnant has spent years rebuilding the temple they've got a couple years of work left uh, and it's hard work it, it, it was an easy work. It was dangerous work. It was hard work. Again, they were in the minority. So God gives them some promises to help them in the task. And that's what I want to look at tonight and uh, uh, here in Zechariah 8. Uh, but he says in verse 3, Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So one of the things you will notice in this chapter is uh, Zechariah is getting a word from the Lord over and over again. He will say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord of hosts. He will say this over and over again in this chapter. He is making it clear. It's not his opinion. It's not something he believed or, you know, just invented or dreamt up or anything. He's saying the Lord told me this is what's going on. And that this other word from the Lord that he's received, he's saying the Lord himself is saying I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem well here's the problem you're thinking the Lord is saying I am returned and again you may be thinking of it from today's time frame we have to go back to their time frame before the Lord came the first time 
And he's saying, wait a second, the Lord's saying I'm returned. So that means I'm coming once, I'm leaving, and I'm coming again, right? That's what he's saying in this verse. He's saying, I am returned. Well, for them, he hadn't come the first time. But again, uh, as you think about this, the Lord, for this passage to make sense, the Lord had to have dwelt in Jerusalem, left Jerusalem, and later dwell there again. And here's the thing. Those hearers may not have put two and two together, but he was saying, hey, Messiah's coming once. He's going to die. He's leaving, going back to heaven, and he's coming again. We can start to put that together. But he is talking about a time that wasn't just future for them. It's future for us. He has not returned to Zion, right? It's clear. Uh, he will. Jesus will return to this earth. He, he will. His second coming. He will come again. He will eliminate all of his enemies. He will usher in the millennial kingdom and millennial reign. He will sit on David's throne and rule and reign. But here's the thing. He says what? Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. What's Jerusalem called today? A city of conflict, Right? A city of problems, a thorn in the side of this world, right? Every, every time they talk about the Middle East, it's the problem that's there, right? It's not a blessing. It's not a great thing. It's the problem. They're trying to get peace for uh, every president, every leader that's ever lived has tried to get peace in the Middle East. They'll get a paper signed. They'll, they'll throw a little party. And as soon as it's done, before the ink's dried, they're already fighting again. Why? Because God said, hey, there's not going to be peace in Jerusalem until I come back right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, it's going to be a city of truth. You realize the only way it could be a city of truth is if the way, the truth, and the life is reigning there, right? That's the only way. That's it. One of uh, uh, Isaiah 12 is one of those chapters that I've memorized and I uh, you know whenever I'm in the car if you haven't or if I haven't told you this but whenever I'm in the car by myself I recite them again to keep them in my mind and the last verse of Isaiah uh, 12 verse 6 says this cry out and shout thou inhabitants of Zion for great is the holy one in the midst of thee it goes right along with this right here saying hey uh, Jesus he's not going to be in heaven on the throne he's coming back to this earth and he will be in the midst of them right in the middle of the city that's where he's going to be and here's the thing this can only be talking about a future event that hasn't happened you can't read this uh, section of this chapter and say it's already done or they'll try to twist it around and spiritualize it and everything else but here's the thing uh it's not it, it none of this has happened yet he hasn't returned yet He's not sitting on the throne ruling this earth. Jerusalem, you know, all of these things haven't happened. So he, we've got a future promise of the Lord's return. Let's keep going. Verses 4 and 5. Uh, he says, There uh, shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff and his hand for very age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. So you think about that. When they return, when they were in captivity and that group decided they're going to return and rebuild, they didn't take the old people. 
that were that old with them. If you couldn't get around, if you if it took a cane or a walker or something to get around, you would not have made the trip from there to Jerusalem because you wouldn't have been able to build and survive the harshness and everything that, that it took to rebuild everything. So they wouldn't they would have only brought people that were physically able to work and do the demanding labor and everything else. The rest would have had to stay in Babylon. They're in captivity. But the Lord is reminding them. He's saying, hey, there's a day coming where there'll be old men and women in the streets again. Uh, they will be there. And, and just in case you thought maybe this was an easy promise, uh, he goes on and says there's going to be children playing in the streets thereof. And you think about this. Uh, uh, Jerusalem, uh, over the centuries, over time, they had to have walls, right? They had to rebuild those walls because of invaders and everything else. And then think about today. Jerusalem doesn't need walls, but what do they need? They need those, uh, 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 you know, the rockets that shoot down, the rockets that are flying at them. They need that, uh, you know, zone of protection and everything else from military technology. Uh, but here's the thing. There's always threats of violence with Jerusalem. But aren't you glad there's coming a day when Jesus will sit on the throne in Jerusalem where there'll be no threats of violence? They won't worry about those air sirens going off saying you've got to get to a bunker really quick because the rockets are coming. A place where young and old can be together, fellowship together without any fear and perfect peace. And you think about that. Uh, you know, we're talking about Jerusalem, but I want you to think about any city in this world. Imagine it being a place of perfect peace and, and no violence and no, no, uh, no fear or anything like that. You can let the children play outside and not have any fear. There's no place like that on earth. They're not even close. These cities are so dangerous today. So many murders and everything else. He is definitely talking about a time. He's saying a big city without crime. And we can't imagine that. But God can. God can do it. God's promised it. Verse 6. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, so it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts. So what he's saying, he's saying, hey, you're starting to realize that these are future promises. That's what he's telling the remnant. Uh, he's saying, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of his, this people in these days, what he's saying is that word marvelous is kind of like saying impossible. He's saying, hey, if you're looking around, this remnant that's trying to rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls, rebuild everything that was in ruins. Uh, if you're trying, if you're looking around and you're thinking about what he, God is saying, what, what the prophet is saying through the word of God, uh, and you're saying, wait a second, how could this half-built Jerusalem be the capital of the world, right? Uh, how could it be a place of safety and peace? Uh, it, it seems impossible, right? That's what he's saying. You're saying, uh, uh, the Lord's saying, is it, does it look impossible in your eyes? You remnant that are there, does this seem impossible when you look around? And you think about it. It's not hard to see that they were doubting, right? It's not hard to see that it was far-fetched. Again, look at the Middle East today, right? Look at it. And I, I, I heard a man say that I admire. He, he mentioned uh, uh, a couple years ago, he mentioned to a group of us, he said, there's no way. That, that Israel could get all of the promises that God has, has, has given to them. There's no way that could happen. He said, look at them today. How could it happen? 
And this is the same thing. The Lord's saying, does it look too marvelous? Does it look too impossible in your eyes? So what happens is if is if people can't believe it, they say, well, uh, then these promises must have transferred to the church, right? Or transferred to the United States or something else, right? They have to, they have to make up something because they're looking at Jerusalem and saying, wait a second. I see more, uh, more Muslims there than Jews. Right. They have their on the Temple Mount. They have their dome with the rock. There is no temple there. How's there going to be a temple there? How's he going to rule there? How's Jesus going to do all these things? It must mean it's not going to happen. It seems impossible. This happens a lot. And they're thinking, how could it be the center of the world when we've got all of these rockets and everything else aimed at it and every country wants it destroyed? There's no way it could happen. But aren't you glad Jesus said in Luke 18, 27, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. What's he say? If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, if this seems far fetched to you, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes? The Lord's saying, hey, when I look at it, do my eyes see that it's impossible? He's asking a rhetorical question here. He's saying, no, no. He's saying, hey, just because no earthly city has seen peace like this uh, doesn't mean God can't do it and in fact God has picked the most uh, uh, the city that's under the most uh, I don't know what you call it artillery and everything else every country around them that hates them has a plan to eliminate them off the map and God says that's the one that's going to be the capital right there I don't care if the devil wants it destroyed a hundred times over that's the one he's saying just because it looks impossible in your eyes doesn't mean it's impossible in mine That's what he's saying in verse 6. He hasn't changed his mind about Jerusalem. Uh, The church is not taking over Jerusalem's promises, and neither is the U.S. or D.C. or any other place like that. Uh, There is no replacement for the holy city. Right when John, uh, what did he see coming down from God out of heaven? Not New London, right? Not New Washington, D.C., not New Los Angeles or New Paris. He saw New Jerusalem, right? God hasn't changed his mind and he won't. See, here's the problem we see in verse six. Our eyes, what do our eyes see? The problems, the obstacles, the difficulties, the impossibility. That's what our eyes see. Everything that we keep it from happening. But the Lord's eyes, you know what he sees? He sees the promise fulfilled, right? He can see the future. He can see it fulfilled. How could he show John so easily what was going to happen? Because God could already see it, right? He can't show somebody else something he can't see. He sees it. He can see the fulfilled promise. That's why it's easy for him to say that I will sit on the throne in Jerusalem because he's already seen it. It's already done in his eyes. It doesn't matter if our eyes can't see it. We don't need these eyes. We've got faith. Amen. We just need to trust him. But then it makes me think you could use this verse for today. You just change it a little bit. If it be marvelous in the eyes of us today, should it also be marvelous in the Lord's eyes? Right? You can take any promise from God, anything in God's word, and anything that seems too far-fetched, seems impossible, seems like there's no way it'll happen, and we can ask ourselves the same thing. We are struggling with it in our eyes, but is the Lord struggling to see it? No, no. You know what that tells me? Maybe we should just take our problems and look at it through his eyes. Amen? 
Stop looking at it through our eyes and look at it through his. That's again, that's what faith is. Verse seven, thus saith uh, the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the east country, from the west country, and I will bring them and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. So we've got this remnant that's returned at this time from exile, but there's coming a day when he's going to bring every single one of those Jews together. They're all going to be reunited, returned. His chosen people will be there. They'll be back in the promised land, just like he promised. In fact, some of these promises are all the way back from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob days. They're still good. They're still, uh, just because all this time has passed, just because it seems far-fetched, it doesn't matter. The Lord says, I will bring them back. But aren't you glad he not only talks about physically reuniting them, he said, I'll save my people. Praise God. And I've said it before. I don't understand exactly how he's going to save all the Jews, but he said he would. So we'll just trust him at his word. But then let's go back to the builders, the remnant that's working. Uh, We're going to skip nine and go to 10 and then come back to nine. So we're going to go out of order. But 10 talks about the problems that are going on. This remnant of the Jews, they'd returned to Jerusalem. They went from the easier life in captivity uh, to rebuilding the temple. And it says in 10, for before these days, there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast. Neither was any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I said, all men, everyone against his neighbor. He's saying, hey, the work was hard. It's dangerous. There's all these obstacles. And he's saying there's no hire from men. He's saying, hey, they weren't even really getting paid for this, right? They're they're doing this work. They're doing God's will. There wasn't even the pay uh, uh, for it. Uh, Yet those in captivity were living in luxury. Most of them, he says, there was no peace because of the affliction. There's conflict and everything else. So if you look at the situation, it was a hard life for those following the Lord. But the Lord is trying to encourage them. He's giving them these promises of the future for Jerusalem. And then look at verse 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets which were in the day that the foundation of the Lord of hosts was laid that the temple might be built he's saying hey in spite of all the problems in spite of all the obstacles all the thoughts that linger in your mind that maybe you've made the wrong decision maybe they're questioning should I even have come anyway or should I have stayed in Babylon the Lord has encouraged them he's saying let your hands be strong those hands that are working that are building that are making a he says you keep strengthening those hands how do we strengthen our hands we strengthen it with God's word we strengthen it through prayer we strengthen it through working together with one another and encouraging one another he says hey keep working uh, keep serving lay, lay hold of the promises that he's given us don't quit working on the temple and he's saying that and guess what uh, uh, as the church we can lay hold on this one too. Let your hands be strong. Uh, Church, we aren't rebuilding a city, but I'll tell you what we are doing. Now's not the time to question your calling. Now's not the time to question what God's called you to do or or led you to do. Now's not the time to quit or anything else. Now it's time to keep spreading the gospel, keep witnessing, keep praising, keep praying, keep getting in our Bibles, keep telling people the truth, whether they want to hear it or not, keep living righteously, keep leaning on God, Uh, keep doing all of these things keep teaching the children Uh, uh, keep praising and witnessing now is not the time to quit that's what he's saying 
He's saying, strengthen your hands. Keep going. Don't you quit right now. Because you look around. Things can look really bleak if you stop and look at it. That's what was wrong at that time. They're looking around and they're doing what God's told them to do, but it didn't look like it was working. Right? Have we all been there? You're looking around. You're you're where God wants you to be. Uh, It gets frustrating at times. You're looking around and thinking, is this even working? And that's what the Lord said. Hey, if you look right now in this moment of time, you will be discouraged. He said, but I want you to look ahead. Right? That's what he's saying. Look ahead. You look around. People may be quitting around us. People may be getting tired. Uh, You know, we wish that they were more laborers. They wish more would have came out of captivity and helped them. But the Lord is making something clear. He's saying, hey, better days are coming. That's what he's saying in this passage. Better days are coming. Uh, There's no, uh, now is not the time to quit. They were receiving blessings at this time. But he said, there's a whole lot more blessings coming. Uh, We're just getting a small taste of it here. I'm telling you what. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. It's just a little taste of what's to come. And I'm thankful for that. But now's the time to strengthen each other. Encourage one another. Help one another. I like Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Not maybe reap, not could reap. He said we shall reap. And I'm looking for that. So if you're on the verge of quitting, uh, maybe you should just stop. uh, And just for a second, I'm going to read the last few verses of this passage. And I want you to think about uh, the Lord talking about the new Jerusalem. Uh, You know, whether you need to close your eyes or not to think about it. But look down, uh, if you're not closing your eyes, look down to verse 20. It says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. You think about that just for a minute. He's talking about a future day where uh, someone from Ashley would go meet a friend in Marengo and say, hey, I want to go to Jerusalem. Why? Not to sightsee. I want to go to where the Lord's at and not just go to where the Lord's at in Jerusalem. I want to pray. Not what's he say? Do you see what he says? They're going to come. Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that for a second? I, I don't know how they get there. I don't know if there would be planes at that time or what. But can you imagine saying, let's not wait another minute. Let's go over and see the Lord again, right? Uh, I've got something I want to seek him for. I want to ask him about something. I want to pray to him about something. Let's just go seek the Lord. That's hard to even fathom in our minds, isn't it? Isn't it? You look at that. Can you imagine? He's saying, hey, all, all these different languages of men will come from all different nations and they'll get a hold of one of the Jews and say, hey, we believe your God, right? We love your God. Let's go see your God together. Can you imagine that today? They hate the Jews. They hate the Jews. But he says there's coming a day where they'll seek one out and say, hey, let's go to the Lord again, right? Let's go see the Lord again. And as far-fetched, 
as that seems, I go right back to verse 6. If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts. He's saying, hey, you're struggling to believe that because it's so opposite of what everything is today. But he's saying, I don't care. You're looking at it and seeing there's no way that could happen rationally or reasonably. Doesn't matter. He said, I've already seen it. Right? The Lord has already seen it. He showed Zechariah. He showed John. He showed Isaiah and many others. He said, hey, it's going to happen. I can't imagine this time. But guess what? The Lord shared these details to that remnant that was working. And he said, hey, I want you to use these promises to strengthen your hands to keep going. I believe the Lord's got a whole book of promises. And there's a lot of them that we can take hold of. And he says, hey, strengthen your hands with it. Because the work you're doing is important. Even though they're working on the temple that would later be destroyed again. He's saying, hey, this is important. You keep working. You keep serving. And you strengthen your hands. I think we can do that tonight, don't you? I'm going to ask everyone to stand.